everybody. Welcome to Peculiar Stories and Far Out Tales. I am Kim Yellen. And I'm Anna Howington. And today I'm going to start our episode. You ready? Yes. Okay. This is the story of Hetty Green, a.k.a. the Witch of Wall Street. Oh, goodness. Do you know about this lady? No, not at all. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you all about her. She is an American businesswoman, or was an American businesswoman. She is long gone now, but uh, she was an American businesswoman and financier known as the richest woman in America during the uh, Gilded Age. Uh, that's my dream. One day. <laughs> we were just talking about that. I know. Oh, who is the richest woman in America? Isn't it uh, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife? Isn't the what is the owner of uh, Yahoo or something? Isn't that a woman? I don't know. It might be Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. She got out of that marriage with a nice yeah. chunk of change. She deserves it. Fuck yeah, she did. Do you know she's marrying a science teacher now and giving away all their money? Aww, it's so sweet. I love right? that. I know. I want her to be happy. Oh, it's it's one of the it's one of the it's uh, Christy Walton from Walmart. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And then all these people with the last name of Mars are worth $7.2 Who are these Mars people? I don't know. Never heard of them. Me neither. Hmm. Anyway, yes, Walmart. That's where it is. We should have married into the Walmart family. Ugh, I don't know. I'd feel so, like, gross just being a part of that, like, situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, these Mars people are, like, Mars candy bars. They're, like, candy candy bar heiresses. <laughs> is it like a Hershey's or like, is it yeah. the Mars bar? Like that's just like one candy yeah. bar. Does yeah, but their like... own, it's owned by, like it owns a bunch of other oh. companies. And then, oh wait, these, hang on, I was reading the wrong end of the list. No, number one is Alice Walton, worth $62.3 billion. She's the only daughter of Walmart founder Sam Walton and the richest woman in America. I see. Okay, well, Good you on you. I guess so. I just think, I don't know. Mackenzie Scott, who is Jeff Bezos' ex-wife, is number two. She's worth okay. $27 billion. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just, I'm so over late stage capitalism. I just, yes. I can't, I can't do it anymore in this country. Yeah. Give us tax some health care. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tax the rich. They, it's yeah. too much. Yeah. It's too much. Too much. Anyway, we're going to talk about another rich lady now. Okay. <laughs> now that we've gone on our tangent, I'm probably going to cut a lot of that out. That's Okay. <laughs> Okay, but anyway, yeah, so, okay, back to Hetty Green, the richest woman in America uh, during the Gilded Age. And she was the richest woman in America when women were not allowed to be in business. It was really out of the norm for them to be involved in any kind of financial sector. So she was one of a kind. Uh, She was born Henrietta Howland Robinson in 1833 in New Bedford, Massachusetts, to Edward Mott Robinson and Abby Howland. And like most wealthy people, she started off with quite a leg up. So it's not like she made this all on her own. (laughs) Yep. Her family owned a large whaling fleet. So I always think it's crazy to hear about how other people made made money in the early 1900s or the 1800s or whatever. I'm like, what do you mean you made a bunch of money whaling? Yeah, I think it was like for the fat, right? Like whale fat was really... I think there's a lot of things in whales you can use. And I think there was even more before. Like, I think that there's like stuff that they use in perfume and there's stuff that they use in manufacturing. Like, I think even... I mean, I feel like probably more in the past, but like even today, I think there's a lot of things that you can hmm. use a whale for. Oh, I, so. are they allowed to still kill whales? I think that that's illegal, right? Um, I I don't know what the legality of whaling is, but we're gonna have I, to look that up for yeah. sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so back to Hetty again. Now that we got off on another tangent. <laughs> um, So I was just talking about, okay, yeah, so she came into a lot of wealth just by being born. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just another example of our country's slow march to a feudalistic society. So there's that, but I digress. The rich get richer, always. Yes, they do. 
and then we lose everything in a pandemic. Anyway, um, Hetty's <laughs> grandfather lived with them, and at an early age, he recruited Hetty to read him commerce reports and stock quotations. So she's like 10 years old, and she's like reading the financial news to her grandfather. So at a very young age, she's getting an education in the stock market, in like what's happening in the world of trade, what's happening in the financial sector. She's learning all of this very young. By 15, she's reading the family's business ledgers, taking care of bookkeeping for the family. It says at age 13, she kind of took over the bookkeeping for the family, which seems a little young. And I guess maybe she was either a prodigy or I don't know, they just had, they made some really questionable choices. <laughs> they didn't have people to do that. They I mean, they sound I, like, I don't know. They don't sound know. like people who could afford people. Like, yeah, I, mean, I know. Right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Well, hmm. we'll get into how frugal she is. So maybe she got that from her family. Ugh. Maybe they were just like, let's just put the kid to work. <laughs> frugal rich people. Hearing about frugal rich people is my favorite thing. I love really? hearing. <laughs> yes. I don't know why I love it so much. But like this idea that like somebody else is like, even though they make all this money, they're paying attention to how much goes out. Yeah. It, oh, I'm just like, oh, okay. Yeah. Good. It's, it's, it's not just me. <laughs> Did you watch that HBO documentary on Warren Buffett? No, not yet. You should watch that. You'll love that. Okay. If you like watching rich people be frugal, that's your jam. Oh, okay. I'll have to check yeah. it out. <laughs> I might so, need your HBO login. I don't know if I have I'll HBO give it to anywhere. You. <laughs> I feel like I gave it up after Game of Thrones. I was like, meh, whatever. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. Okay. <laughs> I have no problem sharing my logins. No. I'll give it to <laughs> all either. our fans, too. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just gave it right over the, the podcast. <laughs> Um, <laughs> HBO has enough money. They're Netflix fine. is doing something, I guess, where they're like trying to limit the number of people that can log in. I saw which... that. I thought that was kind of crazy. I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to be like, <laughs> I hope Netflix isn't listening. But like me and my sister. Netflix is not listening. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? Some, some Netflix executive is like, I got her. There was a point when like I had the account that you only had one screen. Mm -hmm. And then she started using it. And then I was like, we need to upgrade to two screens because we're watching it at the same time and it won't let you do that. Hmm. And so we upgraded to two screens. I don't know how that's going to work. Mm -hmm. Who cares where that other screen is? Like, why do we have to be in the same household to enjoy like... Oh, I don't know that don't they're going to figure that out. Anyway, this is a really long conversation yeah. about <laughs> something that neither one of us really know how it works. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Sorry. So Back to Hetty Green again. I swear this lady's interesting. <laughs> I'm sure she is. Yeah. Um, so even though she showed a great interest in the financial sector, as she grew out of her teens, her father was like, mm, I think you should just get married. So he... <laughs> great. Um, he instead of like helping her like continue to cultivate this business experience, uh, he goes out and decides to buy her this crazy wardrobe of all these fancy dresses, and he spends uh, what was twelve hundred dollars back then, but is the equivalent of about thirty thousand dollars today. Wow! He buys that for her in just like clothing, so that she can like flit around Boston and New York and snag herself a man or whatever. Um, but. Hetty was like, uh, thanks, but no thanks. I'm just going to sell it, and I'm going to invest the money. So that's what she did. Good girl. And when she was younger, she used to, like, take her allowance and invest it. And so that's what she did. She was just like, I'm not going to, I'm not interested in finding a man. I'm just going to sell all this stuff, and I'm going to invest it. And so I don't know how he felt about that. I couldn't find any information on it. But anyway, that's what she did. She was his only child or his only daughter? I don't know. Oh, Okay. That is somewhere on the Wikipedia page that I did not include in what I just wrote down. So hmm. she could have had brothers and sisters, but I'm not 100% sure. I'd like to believe it's his only daughter and he's so upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or he's like super supportive. He's like, yeah, girl, like get it. I don't think he was supportive because he, he wanted her to go and find a man. But and yeah. I think it's only fair because at that day and age, like women were not accepted into professional positions like it was really looked down upon hmm. yeah i know it was super stupid uh but anyway her mother dies in 1860 and even though she was supposed to receive an inheritance her father takes all of the money and <sighs> instead of taking him to court over it she like had a little bit of foresight and she was like well he's gonna die soon too so if i take him to court 
then my inheritance from him is gonna, you know, things might get a little messy and he's got a shit ton more money. So she mm. just kind of lets him have it or whatever. And then sure enough, five years later, he dies and she inherited about uh, $6 million when he died, which is the equivalent to around $100 million in today's yep. money. Just wait for the right people to die. Like, yeah. <laughs> eventually, you'll get eventually. what you want. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, the one issue with that is that most of it was put into a trust, so she couldn't even actually access it. There was a small amount that she did have access to, and she immediately took that money and started investing it in Civil War bonds. But the huh. principal, she was only, it was like a stipend that she got every year. Hmm. So she, I think, was not very happy about that, but because she really, like, wanted, she, like, thought she could grow it a lot. And, and she did end up, you know, we'll see in just a little bit. She does some other stuff with her money that's very smart. Uh, yep. Right after her father's death, Hetty's aunt dies. And this is where Hetty gets a little greedy. Hetty uh, got some inheritance from her aunt. But she was like, I should have it all, is kind of her attitude <laughs> that she took. Okay. And she, she came to this conclusion by taking to heart some advice from her father that was, never give anyone anything, not even a kindness. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So hmm. this bitch forges her aunt's signature on a fake will. Wow. Takes it to court. <laughs> She's like, see, I was supposed to get everything. And the court is like, no, this is fake. And so they throw it out. And um, But she does wrangle 600000 from the aunt's estate, which is around $2 million. So she does get something, but she doesn't get everything. Hmm. So... Don't feel bad for this Do not feel bad for this lady at all. Yeah, got it. During this time, while she's, like, dealing with all of this stuff with her aunt's estate, she meets her future husband, Edward Henry Green. And he was a successful businessman in his own right. He was not as wealthy as Hetty, but she felt like he had enough money that he wasn't just a gold digger. So mm -hmm. they get married. But before they get married, she makes them, like, sign all this stuff, you know, have a prenup that says that, like, you don't get anything from me. Like... Our finances are not tied together. Exactly. Yeah. So she marries him. They move into his residence in Manhattan. But the children of Hetty's aunt that she tried to steal all that money from start to come after her to try to get her put in jail for the forgery. Oh, I thought I I thought the aunt didn't have any kids. Like I thought that's no, why she was like, Oh, no. I want all this Oh, Patty, <laughs> come on. And oh, hmm. yeah, no. I don't know about this lady anymore. She no, seems a bit ruthless. It's real. Oh my god, she is so shrewd. It's crazy. Hmm. I thought that it was like this, you know spinster aunt that died no. and she was like no give me their money no she's like and taking she, like, money gave, she gave her money to charity too like she was like taking money from charity it's it was really messed up <laughs> oh my goodness yeah. no yeah hmm. she is uh yeah she's she was something else you might have earned your title yeah. i'm thinking she, she earns it in several ways <laughs> so she's like possibly going to be thrown in jail over this so instead of, like, facing the consequences of her poor decisions, uh, she and her husband just, like, fuck off to London. So oh, <laughs> they cool. move to another country and okay. uh, they stay there until the statute of limitations has expired. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, during that time, they have two children, Edward Howland Robinson Green, who they call Ned, and Harriet Sylvia Ann Howland Green Wilkes. That's almost your name. Ann Howland. Oh, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I think each one of the one, two, three, four. The, her son has four names and her daughter has one, two, three, four, five, six names. I think that's a rich people thing. Like they want to get all the names like grandma's <gasps> yeah. name in there and then the mom's maiden name. And, yeah. But yeah. And her, her daughter is Sylvia, which was Harriet Sylvia Ann Howland Green Wilkes. The Wilkes is her married name. So, oh, okay. But she wasn't going to get rid of her other names. No, no, of course Why not. would you? Yeah. She's Hetty's daughter. She's not going to just yeah. throw that away. Right. Anyway, so Hetty's husband, Edward, turned out to be not as savvy of an investor as Hetty. <laughs> okay. And he amassed just like astronomical debts. Oh, and Edward. he got these debts by claiming that Hetty's money was collateral, oh. even though legally he mm -hmm. had no right to it. Hmm. So 
yeah, he got in some hot water. Hetty found out, and they separated. Um, okay. Don't fuck with her money, okay? No, no. <laughs> That's unforgivable. Yeah. She probably never talked to her cousins again either. I like. doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. But they did stay married. So they separated, but they stayed married. And later in life, they actually spent most of their time together. And she even converted to become an Episcopalian so that she could be buried next to him after she Aww. died. Which That's I guess sweet, is kind of sweet. <laughs> 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 after her divorce and everything like that uh or not divorce sorry after the separation uh because why would she need a divorce like he doesn't even have any right to any of her money so she's right. like we can stay friends <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, she continued to invest her money really well and grow her wealth. Uh, her reputation on Wall Street was legendary. Uh, she was known for being ridiculously frugal. She refused to pay for hot water or heat. She lived in a cold apartment. In New York? Yes, or London? in New York. No, in New York. Mm-mm. She would not pay for hot water or heat. She was like, that is an expense that is not worth it. I mean, I've got hundreds of millions of dollars. Why would I pay a few cents for heat? <laughs> anyway. mm. I feel like heat is uh, necessary. Like, I can Very understand much. that about certain things. Yeah. But, yeah, no. air conditioning might be... I mean, I guess they probably didn't even have an option for air conditioning at that point, but... Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is... She was she was very frugal. She only had one black dress <laughs> and, hmm. and one set of undergarments. <sighs> and uh, she only washed them infrequently. <laughs> So, Ew. like, she only had one dress. She like, only had one dress. One dress. Uh, uh, I thought you just at first. I thought you meant like one black dress. It was just if she needed a black dress. No, one dress, one pair of drawers. That was it. Oh, good. It was. Uh, it was said that in summertime she just smelled terrible, and like people Ugh. would like clear out when she was going into places. I feel like everyone smelled then. Like to be the person that smelled <laughs> in the eighteen hundreds, I can't. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it'd be so bad. Yeah. So this was bad. like turn of the century. Still, like terrible. Yeah. Apparently Whatever, she like didn't yeah. wash her hands either. She was just like a very dirty woman. Great. <laughs> um and she rode yes. around in like this old carriage. Like she did not have like nice transportation. Her diet consisted mostly of these 15 cent meat pies. Ugh. <laughs> And in her home, she wouldn't eat hot food because it would have increased her fuel bill. What did she spend her money on? Like, I feel like when you're free, nothing. you're free girl. She spent it on nothing. That's you've got to have a thing. Like, I feel like there's like one thing. Like, I'm going to save all of my money so that I have money to travel. Like, yeah. I'm going to live in this little apartment and I'm going to do whatever I want. But no. I'm saving my money and I'm going to spend it all on traveling. No, nope. but like. She doesn't have a thing? No, she didn't have a thing. She didn't have a thing. Well, there's this. There's a couple stories about her. One story claims that she spent half a night searching her carriage for a lost stamp worth only two cents. <laughs> okay. Another one asserts that she told her laundress to only wash the hems on her dress in order to save money on soap. Yuck. Yeah, <laughs> not the parts that go in your like your armpits. That part needs. I to don't be know. Maybe that one too. But like, she was like, "Don't wash the whole dress. Just wash the bits that are very dirty, so that we don't like overuse the soap." What did she wear when her dress was getting washed? <laughs> like <a laughs> she just sat around butt ass naked. Yeah, like <laughs> oh, Hattie. Yeah. Ugh. All these eccentricities led her to being nicknamed the Witch of Wall Street. Okay. Earned. I think that's yeah, earned. Yeah, it's earned. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it, this extended to her family life, too. Her son, Ned, had to suffer a leg amputation because she delayed getting him care when he hurt his leg. <sighs> and she was, like, looking for a free clinic to treat him. And so because of that, like, the case became incurable and he got, like, gangrene and they had to chop us, like, off. That's what the rich people are supposed to do. You're supposed to take advantage of your status and get medical procedures before exactly. the rest of us. Exactly. Oh, God. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy. Her daughter, Sylvia, lived with her mother until she was in her 30s. And Hetty disapproved of every one of the suitors that came after her daughter. She said that they were all just after her fortune. Sylvia finally did marry this man named Matthew Astor Wilkes. 
Oh. On February 23rd, 1909. And that was after a two-year courtship. He was a minor heir to the Astor fortune, and he entered the marriage with two million of his own, which I guess was enough for Hetty to be like, all right, well, maybe you're not a gold digger. Yeah, but you're just a minor heir. Minor heir. Minor heir. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Nonetheless, she compelled him to sign a prenuptial agreement, waiving his right to inherit (laughs) Sylvia's fortune. She was making sure that their money was protected. Mm hmm. Hetty strongly opposed Ned marrying. Anyone? Yeah. She (laughs) assumed that, like, all the women were just interested in her son's money. He took up with this woman named Mabel E. Harlow, and she was, like, a madam, basically. (laughs) Oh. And so uh, they lived together, and she would procure young women for Ned, Hmm. And in return for these young women coming to Ned and Mabel's home on the weekends, he would pay for their education. So, I mean, I don't uh, know. Fair trade. Okay. Sex work <laughs> is work. Like, yep. yes. whatever. Oh, yeah. I guess I'm a bit thrown off by the young woman. Like, what are we talking about young? Look, I don't know that we have exact, uh, yeah. <laughs> exact like numbers on that, but I am guessing that they were... I don't think that they were, like, I don't think that they were children. <laughs> like, like okay. I think they were just, like, young women. I don't know I what was that, considered that in that age. Right. Yeah. Like, that's what puts a weird taste in my mouth. Like, yes, I, I agree with you. Like, sex works and sex is work. And, and if that's, if, yeah, do yeah. what you want to do. Like, whatever. And it sounds like he was taking care of them. But when it, when they, when you say young women, I'm like, Yeah. Oh. I don't know how old they were. <laughs> yeah. I, Yeah. But she would get them for him. That was her, one of her roles. But they were also, like, they were in a relationship, too. Yeah. So they stayed together till the end of his life, basically. It wasn't until Hetty died that Ned married Mabel. But he did marry her once she was gone. Good. Yeah. Right Right after mom, like, the body's not even cold. You're yeah. like, okay, great. Yeah. I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. I can yeah. marry you. Yeah. They married in 1916. Um, and she continued to procure these young women for him okay he also collected postage stamps so it sounds like he has a thing at least he has a thing i mean (laughs) i mean postage stamps and and young women education (laughs) yeah for women (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think he compensated them well i mean i don't know whatever do do your thing you want to collect postage stamps yeah go for it look i am i am casting judgment on a lot of people here but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know too much about him, so I'm going to hold my tongue a little bit. Yeah. I mean, some of us collect postage stamps, and some of us go see Beetlejuice the musical six times. I mean, hey, that's just hey your, now, hey now. You have a thing. That. That's what I I'm saying. That's your thing. Like if it's, that's. I, I am so sad that that's. They like cut short the run because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was so bummed because I wanted to go see it at least two more times. <laughs> And I never make got sure, to. I never got sure to. You and they were going to put the fucking Music Man up instead of Beetlejuice. Are you crazy? Like, nobody likes the Music Man. Music Man is, like, the stupidest musical. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not even that good. <laughs> is that the 76 trombones? Is that yes. The music Man? Oh, that's an okay. <laughs> I, I mean, like it's fine, but it's not Beetlejuice. It's, like, it's, it's not, not There's nothing. No. Like, everybody's fucking seen the Music Man. Yes, yes. Like, we don't Every- need to see it again. Like, how many times has the Music Man been on Broadway now? Yes. Pr- 20 I mean, times? I mean, come on. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, everyone has a thing. Like, that's your thing. That's yeah. his thing. Like, have your thing. Enjoy yeah. it. Like, Enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so in Hetty's old age, she developed a hernia, but she refused to have an operation, preferring instead to use a stick to press down the swelling. Oh, uh, ugh, yuck. She was, sounds like such a gross old lady. I just can't take it. Like, it, like, gives me chills. Like She was out there. She was out there. Her success was mainly due to her investments in things like real estate, railroads, mines, and lending money out in mortgages. She was Mm -hmm. known to travel thousands of miles by herself in order to collect a debt of even just a few hundred dollars. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And because she did not want to pay rent on an office for herself... She conducted a lot of her business from the offices of the Seaboard National Bank in New York, just like surrounded by trunks and suitcases full of her papers. 
So, like, she wouldn't even rent her own office. She just, like, would hang out at this bank and, like, just use their, like, space for, for like, their... Well, I think it was, like, for people who, like, had accounts there. Like, they, Mm -hmm. like, had some space for people to come in and, like, do business if they needed to. But she Mm. just, like, squatted. Oh. (laughs) Just, like, took over this space. I think she just had so much money that they, like, just didn't do anything about it. They were like, I guess she lives here now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, if somebody asks you to do, like... I feel like there's a limit to the point when you can't meet at Starbucks anymore. Like, yeah, yeah. Depending on true. how big of a business offer you're discussing with somebody. <laughs> yeah, like, if somebody yeah. was like wanting to discuss a multi million dollar business offer and they were like, meet me at Starbucks, I'd be like, you're lying about these million dollars, aren't you? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what is going on? Are you going to buy my drink even? All these multi million dollar business meetings that we have, you and me? <laughs> yes. All the, what? You don't know my life. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You know my life very well. But, yes. I can always be surprised. Yes, yeah. I'm surprised. I'm I'm a Walton. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, where was I? Okay, anyway, so yeah, so she just did her business out of this bank because she didn't want to pay for uh, office space. She was so wealthy that she was called on by New York City to loan money to the city wow so she like bailed out new york city several times and specifically during the panic of 1907 hetty came to the rescue by writing a check for 1.1 million dollars to the city of new york to keep it afloat wow and uh, i'm going to read a quote from her about this she said i saw the situation developing three years ago and i am on record predicting it I said then that the rich were approaching the brink and that a panic was inevitable. There were signs which I could not ignore. Some of the solidest men on the street came to me and wanted to unload all sorts of things, from palatial residences to automobiles. The New York Central quietly negotiated with me for a big loan, and that made me sit up and do some thinking. I saw the handwriting on the wall, and I began to quietly call in my money. When the crash came, I had the money. And I was one of the very few who really had it. The others had their securities and their values. I had the cash on hand. They had to come to me, and they came in droves. Some of them I lent money to, and some of them I did not. That was my privilege. Those whom I loaned money got it at 6%. I might just as easily have secured 40%, but never in my life, no matter what has been said against me, have I practiced usury... And no one knows it better than the wealthy men who have had dealings with me. And that's what she had to say about it. I just, <laughs> I, I imagine see. her saying it like that. She might not have yes. said it like that, but that's how I imagine it. That's what, exactly what I was going to say. I was like, your read of that was, like, I can just see, like, one hand on her hip and her finger wagging, like, the whole time she's saying that. Yeah. Like, she was like, I me, knew me, this me, was me, coming. Me, me, me. I saw <laughs> this coming. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And she yeah. did. I mean, she, she literally, like, it was a big problem. Like, people were coming to the bank trying to get their money out. She she saved the day. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't going to let anyone forget it. <laughs> no. Yeah. And it's actually, it's really interesting because even though she lent the city of New York money to bail them out, when she uh, was on her own after her children had left her home, she would move from apartment to apartment in New York, uh, in Brooklyn, and New Jersey, in Hoboken. And she did this this like quick moving around all the time, always in cold water apartments. She would not pay for hot water. Um, she did this to avoid property taxes. <laughs> oh, uh, goodness gracious. And she would haggle relentlessly with landlords too. Uh, I'm sure she would. If she saw New yeah. York now. Oh, goodness. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, on July 3rd, 1916, Hetty Green died at age 81 at her son's New York City home. She died of a stroke after arguing with a maid over the virtues of skim milk. (laughs) (laughs) Going out like how she lived. Yeah, exactly. Good work. When she died, Esmonds put her net worth at um, anywhere from like 100 million to 200 million, which is the equivalent to $2.35 billion to $4.7 billion in today's money. Jesus. Holy so, mackerel. She oh, was the richest gosh. woman in the world at that time. Yeah. Holy yeah, cow. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, and she left all of her money to her children. And um, 
Not, none of it to charity. <laughs> of course not. No. Of course not. Uh, but her children did when they died. They left a ton of okay. money to charity. Like, almost all of it. So yeah. So it did eventually get into the hands of, of some charitable organizations. Um, <laughs> but I am going to, I'm going to end the story with a quote from Hetty Green. And this is what she, she had to say. Uh, I am able to manage my affairs better than any man could manage them. What a man has done, women can do. If I had let other people do my business for me, I most likely wouldn't have had any business to do now. And it is the duty of every woman, I believe, to learn to take care of her own business affairs. Woohoo! So, that, I, that I can get behind. <laughs> Hetty Green was one crazy lady. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Was it Cher that, like, her mom was like, why don't you just marry a rich man? And she was like, mom, I am a rich man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good job, Hattie. Congrats. Yeah, I know. Uh. So that's my story. Well, thanks for telling that story. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> it's, I, one of the, I had no idea. I've never heard of her. That's insane. I guess there's always been crazy people, right? Like, yeah. Well, Elder had watched that uh, Warren Buffett documentary, and that's what uh-huh. I remembered hearing about her. And I was like, oh, there was this crazy old lady that, like, had all this money in, like, 1910s. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I couldn't remember. And so I looked it up, and then I was like, this would be a great story to tell. So, yeah. Good. Cool. Well, thanks for sharing. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. Are we ready for mine? Yes, please. Okay. So, on another episode, you started talking about that your story was going to come from your neck of the woods, and this was a story from right where you were from, and I was sure, I was sure that you were going to tell this story. And oh. so, I, I feel like I'm, like, stealing a story from you. Please so do. I apologize. Well, and the, I, like, texted, I'm really bad about texting, like, the sisters and being like, it does do we have the same thing? Yeah. But like this time I like texted them and I was like, I just want to make sure Anna's not going to tell the story. And like Isabel was like, I'll text her and find out. And then she texted you and was like, nope, it's not the same. So I am doing the legend of the headless horseman. <gasps> oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So oh I'm my sorry. God, I'm, I'm so excited. <laughs> this yeah. is amazing. So Anna's from Westchester County, which is like where this is set. But mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of like before that, like there's so many stories of Headless Horsemen and like wow, and the history of it. So we're going to go through a bunch of different like Headless Horsemen stories from a bunch of different cultures. We will get to Sleepy Hollow. I promise. Just wait for the end. Yeah. But we're going to start out in Ireland. So many believe that the first depiction of the Headless Horseman was called the Doula Hand which has Celtic origins and is an Irish folklore. And it goes all the way back to the 16th century. So the Doolahan story started in Ireland. They are also told in Scotland and Holland. And it's actually the Dutch, which I'm sure, as you know, settled in your area of New York. And mm-hmm. so they're believed to be the ones that kind of took the story over there when they went to America and started colonies. Um, so the Doolahan comes from... Dullahane, which means dark man. Uh, similar okay. stories about figures known as a gone keen. I'm very sorry, Irish people. I can't say things <laughs> in Irish at all. I think it's that's what it looks like. Gone keen um, have combined with a Dullahane over the years. Gone keen translates from Gaelic into without a head. So the Dullahane is depicted as a headless rider usually on a black horse, of course, Wow. Um, who carries his own head under his arm. Is it death that rides? I was just thinking. Is it death that rides the black horse? Like in the Horsemen of the Apocalypse? Oh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm. I don't know. I feel like death. No, I feel like that's death. Revelation, right? Yeah, I feel. But I feel like the horses don't have colors. I feel like that's just like I feel. I think it's a pale horse. I've seen that on cars before, where they're like a pale horse rider, and it's because death rides the pale <laughs> oh horse. God. I wonder what the black horse is. Anyway, sorry. So he rides the black horse. He carries his head under his arms. Uh, usually, a Doolahan is male. But there are some female versions. Yay, ladies. Get it? <laughs> okay. You can be Headless Horseman, too, which I, part of me is like, yay, girls. But then another part of me is like, why is this, like, cloaked figure without a head gendered to begin with? But, you know, yeah, whatever. The mouth is usually in a heinous grin that touches both sides of the head. The eyes are constantly moving about. Um, They're said to be able to see the whole countryside, even on the darkest nights. Uh, The flesh of the head is the color and consistency of moldy cheese, 
I saw oh, that on multiple gross. sources. They kept talking about moldy cheese. I don't know where that, what was the original <laughs> source on that being the like reference point, but moldy oh. cheese. Um, in some tales, he's riding a black horse, but in others, he drives a sort of coach that's pulled by six horses. Adulahan is believed to have the spine of a human corpse as a whip. Uh, the carriage is uh, adorned with gravestones and coffins and other like death things. Um, there's candles and skulls that are like the headlights of the carriage. The spokes are thigh bones. Uh, the wagon's covered in human skin. It's said oh to be- Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, like real like- Grim. This is like horror. Yes, like very like grim imagery for sure. Oh my god! The carriage is said to be so fast that it sets light to the bushes, like it sets fire to the bushes on the sides of the road as it goes by. Oh wow! Um, it's said that if the Doolahan stops riding, a person is due to die, and if a Doolahan calls out a person's name, it will draw the soul of the victim, and that person will die instantly. So you don't want the Doolahan to say your name. Is it's like oh my gosh power I guess wow there's rumors that uh, a golden object can force the Doolahan to disappear this is also a callback to the to the Gonkeen which is another headless horseman myth uh, those kind of tales kind of overlapped and that's where they think maybe the the fear of the gold comes from hmm. Um, in the oldest version, the Doolahan is accompanied by a banshee who collects the souls of the people when it's called out. Ooh. He will race through the night. Gates and locks will instantly open for him. If you see the Doolahan, he'll pluck out your eyes. Like he was oh real. My God. <laughs> yeah. Like um, he also is the Doolahan is described as a fairy, but we have, I think we in like the modern word of fairy have the words kind of changed over time. I've I read some stuff about that how like in those cultures and like celtic cultures like fairies were very feared yes yeah apparently there's two different types of fairies one's called the sellies and those are thought to be kind of mischievous but not scary and then there's the unsellies and those ones are powerful and wicked and nasty like those are like the bad fairies oh wow and so the doulahan was a bad fairy. And they, they're also known to, like, kill people and carry them into the night. Like, Oh, my gosh. Those weren't great ones. Um, as far as an origin story for the Doolahan, it comes from, like so many of our stories, it comes from missionaries. So it's said to be the embodiment of a Celtic god called Chrome Da. Again, hmm. I'm very sorry, Irish people. But <laughs> So in the earliest form of the Headless Horseman story from the 6th century, just after Christian missionaries forbade the worship of Chrome Dob, Chrome Dob was a Celtic god of fertility who demanded human sacrifices each year. The preferred method for these sacrifices was decapitation. Ugh. With this god being forbidden, the local population quickly adapted the story to make the god a spiritual being, but still had the craving for corpses. Oh, my God. What was said. So, yeah, huh. the story slowly grew and it kind of it started to totally eliminate every, any mention of Chrome Dob and just became the Headless Horseman. Hmm. And then you can also kind of see that, like, instead of calling the horseman the Dark Man, it eventually became Doolahan. Like it was kind of like connected to that word. Oh, I see. Yeah. So another huh. Irish story that's really connected to the Doolahan is this other story of this headless horseman. Um, it involves this man named Charlie Calney, I think. Charlie Calney um, meets and talks with the headless horseman. He's described as having red glowing eyes, wearing a scarlet cape, riding a white horse this time. Oh, wow. And he talks to Charlie, so um, he's not seen as evil as the Doolahan. Okay. And I'm going to read a, a quick excerpt from the story. Okay. But his vision failed in carrying him further than the top of the collar of the figure's coat, which was scarlet, single-breasted hunting coat, having the waist of a very old-fashioned cut, reaching the saddle with two huge shining buttons at about a yard's distance behind. I ought to see further than this, too, thought Charlie. However, see the figure he could not, and after straining his eyes for a considerable time to no purpose, he exclaimed with pure vexation, by the big bridge of Mallow, it is no head at all he has. Look again, Charlie Callahan, said a hoarse voice that seemed to proceed from under the right arm of the figure. <gasps> Charlie did again, and now, with a proper place that he clearly saw under the aforementioned right arm, that head from which the voice had proceeded. And such a head no mortal ever saw again. 
It looked like a large cream cheese. <laughs> Again, going back to the cheese, hung with. <laughs> sorry, a large cream cheese hung around black pudding. Oh my god! Ew. Yeah, yeah. Get get all those food uh, <laughs> figures in your head. Uh, the skin lay stretched over the unearthly surface. Almost like a parchment head of a drum, two fiery eyes of precarious circumference with strange and irregular motions flashed like meteors upon Charlie. And to complete it all, the mouth reached from either extremity of two ears, with peering forth from under the profusion of matted locks of unlustered blackness. <sighs> this head, which <laughs> yeah, this head, which the figure evidently hitherto concealed from Charlie's eyes, now burst upon his view in all of its hideousness. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So this this was from uh, a story called The Headless Horseman. Uh, it was first written down by Thomas Croker in a book okay. called The Fairy Legends of Ireland that was published in 1906. So just so that everyone's clear, he didn't write it. He just recorded it, which is something that's like a common theme through all of this. So it was first recorded by Thomas Croker in 1906. Hmm. So that's the, some of the stories that are from Ireland. You know, I thought that Washington Irving was the one that came up with this entire story, but I, I find it so fascinating that this was like folklore. Yeah, yeah. Like it was. I had no idea. Yeah, like there was, we're, we're going to get, like when we get to like Germany and stuff, like the Brothers Grimm wrote down this story. Like he did not. Oh, wow. He, he definitely like made up the story and I'm going to kind of go through the story that he made up. But like, as far okay. as just there being a headless horseman, that concept has been around forever, like since wow. the sixth century. Yeah. Fascinating. So um, just a quick dip down to England in the legends of King Arthur. There also features a headless horseman character in the middle English poem called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight in the story, the green, <laughs> sorry, this is kind of funny um, in the story, the green knight rides into King Arthur's court and dares any knight there to behead him. And then someone does. So, you know, maybe he shouldn't have done that. But after they behead him, he picks up his head and then <laughs> and then just goes and rides out, like oh, wow. walks out of the room and rides away with it. So, you know, maybe you shouldn't dare people to randomly cut off your head, I think is the moral of that story. Yeah, no, not a good idea. Yeah. Not a good idea. Um, so our next trip is to Germany and Scandinavia. There's two different German stories, both uh, originally written down by the Brothers Grimm. So again, they didn't write it. They just wrote it down. And the Brothers Grimm did that a lot. Like they, the Brothers mm -hmm. Grimm were like collectors of stories more than anything. I think they like, saw a bunch of stories from a bunch of different places in Europe and kind of collected them all for the first time, which is a really cool thing to do. But yeah. I, I don't, I mean, I think that like crediting them with writing them is not maybe the, the best step. But both of these stories were written down by the Brothers Grimm. There was The Wild Huntsman is a story of this man named Heckelberg. <laughs> um, so long ago in Germany, there lived a man named Heckelberg. He was a keen huntsman. Heckelberg felt ill, and one night he lay in bed and could feel death approaching. He prayed to God, please, my Lord, do not take me to heaven. Allow me to remain here until judgment day. Okay. I'm devoted to the hunt, and I cannot bear to leave him behind which is a weird reason to not die, that he yeah. just wants to hunt more, but whatever. Yeah. To his surprise, God apparently was feeling generous that day and granted his request. Um, he was permitted to continue to roam the forest in spirit form of a headless horseman on horseback. Oh, well, I don't know if that's like such a great deal. You can go to heaven or you can just like ride around and terrorize people without a head. Right. It does seem kind of like, sure, I'll let you stay here, but I'm going to make you so gross that no one's going to want to talk to you. It's like, what? what is the fun? In, what's yeah. The, but I guess if you all you wanted to do was like stay and hunt, then then I guess that's a good thing. I sure. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Do whatever you got to do. Um, then he was apparently feeling very confident with his first request. So he made a second request to God and he said to allow his body to be laid to rest within the forest I so dearly love. And this was also granted, and a gravestone kind of popped up right there in the forest. <laughs> it was deep in the forest so that no one could come across it. Although if you did come across it, it was guarded by a terrifying pack of black dogs. Nice. Yes. That's what I want for uh, when I die. A bunch of dogs? Yeah, just to... like, yeah, <laughs> that would be great. I'll, I'll mark that down. Thank you. <laughs> Every night, the huntsman would hunt through the forest. On four separate occasions each night, his hunting horn could be heard echoing through the forest, but no one could 
could quite place where it was coming from. Um, Although it was said that if you heard it and you were due to go on a hunt the next day, you would injure yourself. Oh, my God. (laughs) So it was like a warning which kind of, like, harkens back to, like, the other story, like, with the Doolahan. That, yeah. like, if you said your name, you die. But in this case, if you, like, hear his horn, you're going to get hurt. Huh. Yeah. So if you heard his horn, you might want to stay in. There are <laughs> other stories of German headless horsemen. Somewhere he seeks out persecutors of capital crimes and others where he will roam with a pack of dogs with tongues made of fire. Ugh. Yeah. There's a couple different stories. And then there's a story from Scandinavia that's very similar, like, almost identical to to the story that we just talked about. Okay. The hunters are warned with his horn, but this one is called the Tilted Huntsman. It was originally Good King Vermer. Um, and the original story of Hans Jorgentoffel is what I'm going to say. Ooh, <laughs> what a name. Yeah. Yes. Um, I was originally like, oh, Jorgen. Like, I can say that. But then yeah. it was like Jorgentoff. Like, there were other letters after it. So <laughs> I think it's Jorgentoffel. I like it. It's set in a small place called Lost Waters, um, and the story goes that one morning a woman was visiting the edge of the woods to gather some acorns. She heard the sound of a hunting horn. Startled, she tucked her bag of acorns into the grass (laughs) and looked around. Like a squirrel. (laughs) Right, yes, that's where you hide things, is in the grass. There was nothing there, and so she turned back and kept gathering them, and once again she heard the noise, and this time she looked around, and on the crest of a hill she saw a large figure entirely in gray, with a gray cloak, a gray horse, all the gray stuff, and he had a large hunting horn on the side of his saddle. Um, She said that he rode past silently, he did not disturb her. Okay. She gathered the rest of her acorns and then left for home. Um, some weeks later, the woman returned to the same spot and gathered more acorns. I don't know what this woman <laughs> is doing with all of these acorns, but apparently that's what she needs. She sat down and was eating an apple, and she heard a voice calling behind her. You have taken a whole sack of acorns, and nobody tried to punish you for doing this? <laughs> no, she said. The forest is very kind to the poor. Duh. Why are people caring what the acorns are doing? Like, it's just an acorn. It's just an acorn, bro. Relax. Of all the things that she could be taking out of the forest, an acorn is like the least of anybody's worries. <laughs> right. This guy's very worried about his acorns. Uh, she said, the forest has always been very kind to the poor and they've done nothing to me. Lord have mercy on my sins. She then turned to see who had spoken and the same man from before stood before her without his horse, but he was holding his own head under his arms dun 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 <laughs> and so she fell back and she said you will do well to pray to god to forgive your sins she's like talking shit to him it's like yeah lady <laughs> yes <laughs> it's time to go away he he took a few steps towards her and said in life my name was hans yogit what did i say before yogin tofer <laughs> Jorgen, that was it. Hans Jorgen Toffel, as was my father before me. He often besought me not to be too hard upon poor people. I paid no regard to his advice. (laughs) Yeah. Very similar to your lady. I know, right? (laughs) Yep. No compassion. This was 130 years ago. I filled my life with wickedness, drinking and carousing. And now I am condemned to wander in this form you see before you. And then he Apparently, that was all he wanted was to tell this story, (laughs) lecture this lady. So then he walked back into the woods. Yeah. So those are the stories from Scandinavia. Um, One more story before we get to the United States. There's also headless horseman stories from India. Oh, wow. Yeah. In India, the character is known as Jahin Jahay. Again, I'm very sorry to everyone. Jahin Jahay. I wrote it out like phonetically. So I do that (laughs) a lot too. And then I say it all weird. Yes, Jahinjahe. And there was more than one of them. Jahinjahe was not villainous, though. He was, uh, they were thought to be heroes and protectors. The common thread in all of the Indian stories is that they were born out of violence and a wrongful death, and then they were protecting innocent people. So there's a lot of stories oh, of. Yes, yeah, so that, he, they were the good headless horsemen. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, many stories tell of a Raj put prince who was decapitated defending a village from bandits. He continued to fight even after losing his head. There's also another version where a cavalryman was defending his prince. So all of their stories are like this soldier was defending people and then Mm. lost his head and like kept fighting. Okay. As opposed to like making a deal with God or something. Like a chicken with its head cut off. Right, yeah. So we're gonna move to the United States. And before 
just a really quick before we get to the big story, no stop in the United States would be complete without some crazy Texas story. So, okay. Um in Texas there was a novel called The Headless Horseman by I think it's <laughs> in case I'm going to be uh I'm going to treat all cultures the same. I can't pronounce names from America either. I think it's <laughs> Maine Reed. It's M A Y N E, which I think would be Maine. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, Maine Reed, who first published these stories monthly from 1865 to 1866. Uh, and then after that, he published a book in 1866 um, that was based on the author's adventures through the United States. Uh, it was set in Texas and then said to be based on a South Texas folktale, oh. which I'm from South Texas and I have never heard this before. Like, I'm pretty familiar with a lot of South Texas folklore mm-hmm. and I've never heard this before. So whatever. The story takes place in Texas. Uh, soon after the war with Mexico, there was a woman named Louise Poindexter, which is the best name ever, um, <laughs> who was a beautiful newcomer. She was courting two men. One was arrogant and vindictive, Cassius Calhoun. Dun, Ooh, dun. that's another good name. Uh, yes. I feel like when, I feel like it's alliteration. When there's yeah. alliteration, you know it's the bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Cassius Calhoun was the bad guy. And then there was the dashing but poor Mustanger. Maurice Gerald. So Calhoun plots to eliminate his rival when tragedy strikes. Okay. Louise's brother, the young Henry Poindexter, is murdered. (gasps) All clues point to Maurice Gerald as the assassin. At the same time, a headless rider is spotted circling the Poindexter plantation. So that's kind of the setting for these, like, little short Mm -hmm. stories that were published in Texas. Okay. They thought... A possible origin story of this is this man named J. Warren Hunter went to this other man named Creed Taylor in 1898 and wrote this manuscript um, of this man Creed Taylor's life. And Creed Taylor told this story that was supposedly true of these two people named Bigfoot Wallace, which that's how I would like history to remember me. Yes, love it. Yeah. Um, And John McPeters. And they would track down and kill a number of Mexican horse thieves near the Nueces River, which is south of present day Uvalde. Wallace decided to use the ringleader's body as a warning to others. Bigfoot decapitated the dead man and the two would put his body on a wild stallion that they caught and tied between two trees. Oh, my God. Come on. (laughs) This is like the story. And then they would put his head in. These are sociopaths. What? This is so fucked up. Well, but you can kind of see how, like, it's connected, though, right? Oh, yeah. No, I can definitely see how it's connected. It's just like these people are sick. (laughs) Yes. Um, So then they would put his head in a sombrero, and then they would let the horse just, like, roam the countryside as, like, a warning. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's the Texas story. Now we're going to get... to Texas. We're just the most fucked up of all of them. Like, right. Like, the yes. other ones are, like, folklore tales about, like, evil spirits. And we're like, no, real humans did this. Yes. Did this, was, yep. this was just us. This is what we did on Saturday. Well, it, I mean, it might have been kind of like... I mean, I, I'm sure that something like that happened, probably. But it also was, like, one man telling some story to some somebody that was writing down you know what I mean so it might have been a bit and that's like, what he came up with this yes. is like this is my legacy <laughs> this yes. is what I want to be remembered for well he didn't put himself in the story he was just telling the story of these two oh, men okay okay yeah it wasn't me but there were these other two guys it was like that some like, dude that stole his girlfriend like 20 years ago and right. he's just like I'm just gonna forever mar his name and say <laughs> that say he that did he this jumped. horrific thing Yes. There's no fact-checking yep. back then. No. I can say whatever I want. It was. I mean, it's kind of like my story from before. Like, you can say whatever you want. What yeah. are you going to do? You what can't, you you can't question me. Look it up on the <laughs> internet. I don't think so. Okay. So that was the Texas story. So now we're going to move in to the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Woohoo! So uh, this is probably the most famous Headless Horseman story. It was originally written by Washington Irving. It was published as part of his short story collection called The Sketchbook of Jeffrey Cran Gent. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but um, it's just called The Sketchbook for short. Um, it was published in 1820, but it's been retold many times, obviously. Mm-hmm. There's a quote from the Sleepy Hollow website from like the city website, which 
if anyone from Sleepy Hollow is listening, your website sucks. So maybe you hey should. Now. Come on. on. It's no like they it, can. No, it sucks in the sense that like all the links are dead. Like it's okay. not like like it doesn't suck in like the content. Like I feel like there's a lot of content and it's like set up really well. But like every time I would like click on something. The thing about Sleepy Hollow is like it's like a half town. Yes. Like yeah, it's like yeah. Sleepy Hollow and Terrytown are right next to each other. And they're yeah. pretty much the same town. But like not so yeah, it's like not yeah. a full town kind of i think they should just call the whole thing sleepy hollow because it's a better name and it's got a great story well yeah but i feel like this is a big tourist attraction like i feel like if somebody was like visiting new york and they wanted like it's not what it's like 45 minutes away from new york oh, i hear you yes so like why don't you make your website so that people can like find out information <laughs> like i just think what happened was that somebody went through and like updated everything for covid and then it just made all these links oh dead. i'm sure like yeah i'm sure i yeah so anyway so from the sleepy hollow website there's a quote from the from the legend of Sleepy Hollow, and it says, Indeed, certain of the most authentic historians of those parts who have been careful in collecting and collating the floating facts certain of this space allege that the body of the trooper, having been buried in the churchyard, the ghost rider, forth to the scene of battle in the nightly quest for his head, and that rushing sound with which he sometimes passes through the hollow, like the midnight blast owing to him being beheaded, and in a hurry to get back to the churchyard before daybreak. Love it. So that's from the legend of Sleepy Hollow. They say that the legend of Sleepy Hollow, some people claim that it was the best short story ever written. I mean, it's definitely like... Uh, or like one it, of the best examples of a short story ever written. Definitely like an American like mm-hmm. folkloric story. Like I think it is like the prime example a of like... great short story. Yeah. So just to, I'll, I'll as quickly as I can try to summarize the, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Um, it tells us the story of Ichabod Crane who is a teacher who comes to the village of Sleepy Hollow near Terrytown, New York. It's also a bit of a, like, fish-out-of-water story because he was from Connecticut, which, like, at that Whole time, was like, world. oh, my God, you're from so far away. You're from Connecticut. Yes, Connecticut. It's, like, 20 minutes away in a car. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was, like, four days <laughs> yeah, back then. So, um, and then he's confronted by the Headless Horseman. In the story of the Headless Horseman, the horseman is a Hessian missionary who was hired by the British Army to fight against the American colonialists in the Revolutionary War. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think the story was set... Where did... I don't know if I wrote that down. I feel like it was set in, like, seven... Like, right after the Revolutionary Mm -hmm. War, like, 1780s or something like that. During the battle... Sometimes they say it's unnamed, but sometimes they say it's a battle of Chatterton Hill. Um, the missionary loses his head. After his burial at the church near Sleepy Hollows, he is said to return every All Hallows' Eve in search of his missing head. If he comes across a night traveler while searching, he will attack them and and might cut their head off with his large sword. You can escape by crossing water, which there mm-hmm. is a really nice bridge there. So I'm guessing that's the water. Yep. Uh, which is what Ichabod Crane tried to do uh, by crossing the bridge near the church. Um, In this version of The Headless Horseman, the horseman must return to his grave before daybreak. The original story, however, it's implied that The Headless Horseman is one of Ichabod Crane's rivals, this man named Abraham Brombones Van Burt, Hmm. speaking of great names, um, who's like the town rowdy. And they're apparently like both fighting for this woman named Katrina Van Tessel's like hand. Mm -hmm. And so it's thought, it's kind of implied at the end of the book that Ichabod Crane was, like, ran off by, like, because at the end he's, like, ran off by the Headless Horseman, but it's heavily implied that the Headless Horseman was this rival, Brom Bones. So um, it's, it's it might just be him in disguise. And then Brom Bones ends up marrying the Katrina Van Tessel. So, like, he gets what he wants anyway. So that was a very abridged version of... Uh, of a very short story anyway. You should just go read it. Um, also, kind of the, like, B-side of the head of uh, Sleepy Hollows is Rip Van Winkle, which is another really huh. good short story. So, a bunch of short stories. Check them all out. Just to kind of wrap up, uh, there's a couple uh, common variants with some a couple different Headless Horsemen. They talk about um, him being able to disappear in a flash of flames. There's also talk of him being able to throw his head as a weapon. Um, that he carries a sword, that he can remove heads, that he's, like, trying to find fake headless horsemen. Disney is thought to maybe have originated the story that he throws jack-o'-lanterns. Hmm. 
But that was also in, like, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. Like, in the original story, it's talked about that he throws, like, because he, like, at the very end, I'm trying to, he, like, throws, the Headless Horseman throws what you think is his head at Ichabod Crane, and then Ichabod Crane's, like, never seen again. But the only, like, thing that's left is Ichabod Crane's hat and then the saddle of his horse and then a bunch of, like, crushed up pumpkins. So, like, it's implied that he just threw a pumpkin, but you think that it's his head. So there was a film in 1922 that starred Will Rogers. There was a Disney film in 1949 called The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. There was, of course, the 1999 film Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp. There is the Ichabod Crane School District that is in, you would have to help me, Anna, Valentine, New York, Valentine, V-A-L-I-T-I-N-E. You know, I, I don't know. There is, there is the, okay, I'm the gonna go with that. in Sleepy Hollow, like their mascot is the Headless Horseman for their high school and yeah. everything. Um, the school sports teams are called the Riders. And then there's a silhouette of Ichabod Crane on his horse as the official mm-hmm. town mascot. And then like all of the middle schools are named after yeah. like Sleepy Hollow or Van yeah. uh, Katrina Van Tessel. And then uh, in 1997, the village of North Terrytown officially changed its name to Sleepy Hollow. So it was called something else. And then they became Sleepy Hollow. Their high school mascot is called the Horseman, which is supposedly the scariest mascot in the United States. It's it's everywhere. We really lean into it here. It's it's a very big deal. Yes. (laughs) I feel like you should. Yeah. If it's your thing, like that's your thing is is this like legend was written there. And in like Travels with Anna and Kim. <laughs> do, 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 do. We we went there. I'll put that up on the Instagram. Our picture of of us standing by the um. Yeah, last time I was there. Yeah, the Washington Sorry. thing. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was fun. Yeah, which the the um cemetery in Sleepy Hollow. Like, there's a bunch of people that's like we were a lot of famous people. Yeah, yeah. like the Car- Carnegies are all buried there, mm-hmm. and then there's a bunch of Alexander Hamilton's kids. I guess he's popular right now. A bunch of his kids mm-hmm. are buried there. Yep. Go check it out. So awesome. there you go. So that's the story of the Headless Horseman and then the Legend of Sleepy Hollow at the end. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Sorry to steal your, your No. Story. Oh, my gosh. You did such a great job. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm so happy with that. Good. Uh, do you want to do our rundown real fast? Sure. Yeah. Do you want me to go? I'll go first. Okay. Um, mine's kind of short. There's not a lot to say um, these days because everything's... Still right. the same, although I did get Woo-hoo! vaccinated, so I'm really happy. So I was fully vaccinated, was considered fully vaccinated last Wednesday. So on Thursday, I went and got my hair cut and I chopped off yeah. all my hair. And so I went running and I didn't have to have this like big mass of hair on top of my head that just kept falling down because my hair got mm-hmm. really long during the pandemic. But I cut it all off and uh, I really like it because I can kind of just run and just be a little freer. So that's my running story is that I don't have to like stop every quarter mile and put my hair back up, which is great. (laughs) So I do think that I figured out how to like put up my hair in the perfect way so it doesn't fall. But there are times when I like forget and then yeah, and then you have to redo it every like intersection that I I stop at. It's It's the the worst. Yeah. Um, so my uh, rundown is not this last weekend. I think the weekend before I was visiting my parents in Corpus Christi and my youngest sister came to visit. And so we went running on um, like on the seawall, it's called, or Ocean Drive, oh, I nice. guess, in Corpus. And it was like it was it's always nice to like change up your place and like kind of run mm-hmm. somewhere different. Mm-hmm. And like there were a lot of people around too Mm -hmm. which is like kind of rare right now which like it was outside so I I didn't feel like super like anxious about Mm -hmm. it um and then my sister was running with her she has like a Peloton app I don't know if you use that but I've never used it it was really cool like I have the Peloton and I there they do have like um if you have the bike but I think you can just do the app too if you don't have the bike yeah um and they like talk to you yeah she doesn't have the bike but like she just uses it for like like it'll be like okay run for like run fast or like high knees or it was really cool like to kind of have like like not just like run the whole time but I I'm yeah I'm really bad at like I think I have a really weak stomach and so like anytime my like blood pressure goes up or down in either direction I throw up or like I feel sick (gasps) And so, like, sprinting has never been my thing. Like, I need to be, like, super consistent all the time. Like, if I sprint for, like, 30 seconds, I just, like, can't run anymore. Like, I just feel sick. 
So it was interesting to try to like sprint with her, but like not throw up in front of all these people. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh. I'm just a loser in many respects. So, no, you're not. Yeah, That's just, like just like something you have to take care of. You got to take care of yourself. I've been like that for a very long time. Like I've like looked into it, like to try to like go to doctors and see. And they're just like, no, dude, like this is just like there's nothing you can take that's going to instantly drop your blood pressure. That's like safe for you. Like you just need to like naturally like and then it works like lowering it too. like if I stop running and then like sit down right away, I'll like throw up every time. Like I have to like cool down. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm I'm. I'm distance, not speed. Like I have to be like super yeah. consistent. But but anyway, this like Peloton app was really cool to like run with and do something besides fun. just like running the whole time. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. We are not sponsored by Peloton, but if Peloton would like right. to sponsor us. <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. We are so happy that you're listening to us. And please check us out online. Our website is peculiarstoriesandfaroutales.com. And our Instagram is peculiarstoriesandfaroutales. And our email is info at peculiarstoriesandfaroutales.com. And our Patreon is... Patreon.com slash P-S-A-F-O-T. We very much appreciate your support. Please give us yep. some love on all the rating places. Yeah. I feel like we're small enough that we pay attention to all that stuff. Yes. So like if you, yeah, a lot please let us know, like reach out to us. We'll, we'll reach back. I'm literally yeah. not doing anything right now. So <laughs> I don't have anything else yeah. to do. Yeah. Great. Entertain us, please. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. But rate, listen, and subscribe. Tell your friends. Yep. That's right. And yep. always remember, it is far better to be peculiar than to be boring. Looking for your next great audiobook? Try Audible for free for 30 days. With thousands of titles to choose from, Audible has something for everyone. I recently listened to Intimations by Zadie Smith on Audible and loved it. The writing is beautiful and the author's narration was fantastic. Visit audibletrial.com peculiar to start your free trial today.